Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of The New Wave Entrepreneur. Today, we are speaking with my friend, Mark Dama, who is one of the most brilliant men I know. Uh, he is not only a successful entrepreneur in the e-commerce space, uh, which actually came later in his trajectory, more recently, but he is uh, one of the smartest men that I know when it comes to managing understanding um, physical and emotional energy, emotional intelligence, and also just pure, raw uh, fitness. He is um, a former rugby player. He is a fellow jiu-jitsu athlete. He is a physical therapist. Um, so he has a lot of unique insight and in- intuition around the body. And he's also learned how to work with people too. He's a coach. And um, so he's a really fascinating guy who has had a lot of life experiences. And he's a, a person who you always learn something when you talk to him. So I know you're going to love my conversation with Mark. And you know, that's it. Let's jump into it. Before we get in today, though, I want to let you know we have a new workshop coming up. It's called the Money Moves Workshop, and it's all about um, managing your business and your personal finances if you are an entrepreneur or a person who's working in a professional field, a professional space. Why is this important? Well, because making money is great. It's essential. It's really fun. And um, it can be addictive, but what's even more important is managing that money and understanding where that money is being spent and where you can utilize that money to make more money. So we're hosting a new workshop in January. I'm bringing in some more of my friends, just like I did with the new wave workshop. And every month from now on, I'm going to be doing these immersive workshops on topics that I know you're interested in. This workshop will be all on the, the tactical elements and the practical elements of organizing your money understanding where to invest it to make yourself um, like very solid, much more solid base, um, understanding how to uh, navigate your money systems. So understanding cash flow, understanding how to uh, look at your finances on a weekly and a monthly basis, understanding where to spot problems ahead of time, uh, getting your financial habits in order. We're also going to go over um, portfolio strategies and tax strategies, which are you know just honestly super important if you own a business or if you're making a decent amount of money. So make sure you keep your eye out for um, the early bird announcement of these tickets, which are going to happen, which is going to go uh, online early bird January 1st, it looks like. So how do you get on this early bird list? Well, it's very simple. You are going to just enroll in my Substack community. This is my blog. This is where I'm putting, putting all the free content and also all, also all the premium content. So you can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com, click on the first link on that website. You'll be taken to my Substack and just subscribe on that site. You can go free, uh, free. you can go premium. Premium has its own perks. You can see once you're on that site, but that's it. Okay. Um, Enjoy this episode. Make sure you sign up for uh, for notifications. We're also doing a crypto giveaway, by the way, as well. Um, so, but you have to be on the Substack list. So, so that's it. Have a great episode. I'll see you on the other side. Peace.
Hi, Mark. Thanks, Daniel. Wonderful introduction. Appreciate that. Yes. Yes. Mark has taught me so much over the years. It's, in fact, one of the reasons why I love Mark so much is that he purposely stretches my, I don't know, I don't think he does it purposely. I think it's just who he is. He stretches my comfort zone. I exist within a group of really weird people. And Mark is one of the polarities on that weird side. It's like, I'm already weird to most people, but then he pushes me to that outer edge. There are a few people who really, I mean, he makes me think about what I'm doing. I remember one time we were driving in the car and I'm eating these fucking mints. And he's like, I'm like, you want a mint? He's like, oh, I can't eat those. Those are biotoxic. Those are neurotoxic. I'm like, bro, it's a fucking mint. Like, you know, and then I look at the back of the package, I'll say, is this neurotoxic? You know, I'll, I'll still consider it. And I've yeah. made a lot of subtle changes in my life based on his advice and his guidance. So today I bring him back on the show to uh, bitch slap you into some new, new expanded zones of comfort. So thank you for that, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it was like, there's a sweetener. I think it's a, a spartamine and it's been shown to be a neurotoxin. So I think that's, it's in a lot of mints and stuff. Yeah, but we, you know, life is a neurotoxin. It's, 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 it's hard just to stay alive here. What, you know, um, yes, yes, uh, you know, and, and, but Mark needs the mints because he's so, uh, he's so well oiled with his machine that he brings his anchovies and his sardines with him. Okay. And then when he opens them in the car, the gas expands in the car. And so it creates this fog of sardine gas. So the mint, that small amount of neurotoxin is to help to diffuse some of the smell. That's fair. But that's a different story. Um, <laughs> you know what is so interesting about, about you? Um, I remember this is a couple of years ago, you know, because we both started training jujitsu together, correct? You introduced me to jujitsu. That's correct. Uh, that, that would be on your very three- first podcast, actually. Uh, yes, yes. On the very first podcast we did uh, together, which is 2015. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, wow, seven years th- for six years. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, almost seven now, coming up on seven. Yeah. Um, so you have three child with Kaz- children with Kaziah and one with me, which is jujitsu. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and uh we've both been raising him, and he's a very unruly child. And uh, but one thing I remember is that first year of training together, we went to a tournament uh with one of our instructors, Gustavo, and Gustavo was getting up ready to do a match. And, you know, this guy is a a black belt. He's an absolute killer. And just like a horse whisper, you went down into the pit and you had a conversation with Gustavo right before the match on basically how he could utilize his mind to create some peak performance. And he went out there and he immediately won that match. And I never got to hear what you told him. What did you tell him? Yeah, so um, so Gustavo was faced and Gustavo is amazing. By the way, he's not like a regular black belt. He's a champion. No, he's he's a won champion. competitions in. He's a small guy. How much does he weigh, Daniel? Maybe one sixty. Maybe one sixty. And this is a guy who's a champion in all different weight classes. He mm-hmm. he's a champ. He'll come in at one sixty and and beat someone at two thirty. Mm-hmm. So yep. he'll compete in any weight class, even though he's one sixty and win. Yeah, and he was facing a guy who he's um, faced before, who's beat him before. So he was a little apprehensive about it i mean this guy is a master gustavo's a master but even the masters sometimes get a little feeling a little bit of anxiety you know a little bit of unsure his face a guy i think daniel he'd beat this guy before and this guy beat him twice before or something like that so um i've always been interested in just mindset 
stuff and we can go into how I got into it, you know, a little later. Uh, but one of the things I picked up, some of the tools I picked up is NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Yeah, so there's a, an NLP tool you can use, which I, I shared with Gustavo. And I, I told Gustavo to close his eyes and to see to see the guy, his opponent, in front of him. And he, he's, Gustavo's Brazilian. So he closed his eyes and kind of like, mm-hmm. And uh, he kind of, his face looked a little pained when he was like yeah. visualizing this guy. So I just said, okay, well, where, just with your eyes closed, just point like where you see him. And he kind of like pointed up, so which shows that, he, you know, the guy is like above him, like tower, towering over him. And he was in, you know, I said, is it full color, black or white? I said, full color and he's up high. So I just said, well, with your eyes closed, just bring him down. Bring him way below your chin so you have to look down at him. And as he did that, he kind of like had a smile on and was like, hmm. He just like made him smaller in his mind. And I said like, well, how do you feel now? And he's like, I feel I feel more confident. I can win this. So I was like, all right, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, go, go, go in there. And uh, it's called sub, submodalities, like messing with the submodalities. But essentially, our mind puts things in pictures. They put how we feel, what's going on in kind of pictures. And we're not always aware of these things. So for some reason, Gustavo's mind, when he thought about this guy, he put him, he always had him like uh, taller than him or bigger than him. So if you can just shrink, just shrunk the guy down and made him below him, then all of a sudden it totally changes how you feel. And you can do this with many things. If you're like, if there's a food that you're addicted to, you know, you can close your eyes and see like, well, where is it in your vision? Is it, is it to the left? Is it to the right? Is it up high? Is it in color? It's far away. Is it close? And then you can just, with your eyes closed, just start moving it around. Well, what happens if I move it down? Okay. What happens if I move it far away? What happens if I turn it black and white? And it can really change how we feel about the food or pretty much anything, by the way. So what I've learned is that the mind is very, very malleable. And just because you think or feel a certain way about something or someone right now, it's not fixed at all. It could be changed in just um, a few seconds. So don't take, I've learned not to take my mind too seriously and not to take how I feel about things too strongly because I know it can just change so fast. So, so. Yeah, it was so interesting to hear that because a lot of times you'll see, you'll hear about things like NLP and just speaking about the mind, the mind will immediately reject that those things would be valid because we're so used to operating from a perspective of pure intellect all the time and our mind saying what's right and what's wrong, saying what, what works and what doesn't based on past experience. And so we almost, we're like, we're like computers that don't realize that we, we, actually have the instruction manual encoded in our minds. We think that we don't actually have control over, you know, the things that we see, the thoughts that we think, the ideas that come into our mind, or we think those things necessarily have to affect the outcome of our lives because it's just natural. But there's a certain level of removing the veil of going underneath the, the programming where we can, just like a, just like a pro programmer, you know, edit the source code of the things that are running our daily lives, just like our habits. Uh, the habits to our mind are what programs are to a computer. And we can edit those things, but it takes a certain amount of 
um, training, just like a just like a coder would need to understand how to edit this code. Is that a, is that a accurate analogy? Yeah, yeah. We can we can reprogram our own mind. We can reprogram it. Yeah, you just got to learn how to program. I'm interested to know, like, I know that you have a, a master's in positive psychology, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, what? Can you get a master's in negative psychology? That's a separate question. Like, so, I know some people who have that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, well, positive psychology came about, it actually came out of, you know, the regular field of psychology. And it came out, I think, about 35 years ago. So about 35 years ago, the um, president of the American Psychological Association at the time, this guy called Martin Seligman, Martin Seligman is a very famous psychologist because he came up with the theory learned helplessness. Mm. So many years ago, he did some experiments with dogs, which is, you know, pretty harsh if you're a dog lover or even if you don't (laughs) love dogs, it's pretty harsh. Where what they would do is they put dogs in cages with um, basically the floor, they could put an electric shock through the floor to electrocute the dogs. And what they did is they um, put some dogs with a door in the cage. If they hit the door, the door would open and they could get out. And then they put some dogs in a cage where they try and hit the door and they couldn't get out. So what they found is that they'd electrocute some dogs and they couldn't get out the cage. And then after a while, the dog would just lay down and just accept the little shock. So then they put the same dogs in a door that would open if they hit it. But when they shot the dogs, instead of trying to get out again, the dogs had learned to be helpless. They wouldn't even try and get out. They just lay down and accept the shock, even though they could just open the door this time. So he coined the term learned helplessness. They did some research on it and um, they found that it applies to humans that they learn to be helpless, that they can't help themselves. Anyway, Martin Seligman, Dr. Dr. Martin Seligman, our university of Pennsylvania. After that, he actually said he he actually regretted that. He felt bad like doing experiments like that, hurting the dogs. He, he didn't sit right with it. Oh yeah, he feels bad afterwards. He didn't <laughs> yeah. think about it beforehand. Say, hey, maybe you don't want to electrocute dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, afterwards, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, sure. You know, he came. He, he said he came up. He was American. Became American Psychological Association president. And he oh, said, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> He mentioned, like, look, what what we've done well in the field of psychology, the academic pursuit of psychology is, you know, people who are not doing well, they've got mental issues, they're struggling, et cetera, depression, whatever. We're doing a good job at getting people who aren't well, okay, to baseline. What we haven't done much study on or focused on is people who are okay, how do we get them at the best? And he called this, um, he called for a, a more positive psychology. So this, so from then, um, I'm not sure when it was. I think it was like maybe night. I'm not sure what year it was, maybe 30 years ago. And, um, yeah, so then he called for more research on meaning of life. Like how, you know, how do we get people feeling great? They, they did some research in happiness, well-being, confidence, you know, optimism. He actually wrote a book a few years back called learned optimism and find that you can actually learn to be optimistic and all the research they've done dr Martin seligman says since 30 years ago when they did start researching more positive psychology he says when you look at 
the different psychological traits that you can develop or you can learn. He says, you know, there's confidence, you know, there's um, like different levels of well-being. He says, if you could wish one trait on anybody, your children, the one trait which seems to correlate with the best outcomes in life, successful successful work, you know, salary, like how much money someone makes, whether they have great relationships or not, um, all the health, whether they have good levels of health or not, most of them are linked to this one trait, and that is optimism. Optimism. So he says if there's one thing you'd wish upon yourself and your kids, it is optimism. Well, you know, I just wanted to make a note here, which is something I, I think about pretty frequently, about that how usually in popular culture, we typically look at our baseline of health from basically the perspective of sickness. So if you're not sick, that's healthy. But there's a line, you know, between if you look at sickness being underground, under actually the health line, health being the baseline, and, you know, robust wellness being above that. Typically, people can't even picture robust wellness if they can't even be basically healthy. And all we're doing is looking to get ourselves from being in pain, feeling bad, uh, you know, having this malady of health issues, these, these, these constant health issues that are exacerbated through real world uh, issues and also the imaginary issues that are created through the pharmaceutical industry. And we're only thinking of getting to a baseline of not in pain, let alone robust health. Do you think that optimism is part of the strategy for moving from just pain to robust health? Absolutely. Obviously, action ago, is required, but... Yeah, so a few years ago, in um, 2012, 2010 to 2012, I had a lot of health issues. Um, it was related to gut health in particular. It's something called leaky gut syndrome. I think it was from years of eating a lot of stuff for um, like bodybuilding, but it wasn't necessarily high quality food. You know, it's just lots of food and high stress. I was living in London at the time as a personal trainer. I was personal trainer, I was health coaching and I was a fitness model. I was doing a lot of physical training, like hundred miles a week on the on the bike and, and fast like sprints on the bike. I was lifting weights four times a week, four or five times a week and you know doing a lot, lot of training, very having a lot of coffee just to get through the day. I was working a lot, very high-stress lifestyle. And when I moved out to California to get my master's degree, it kind of all hit me. I had extremely low energy levels. I was sleeping, you know, four, five hours a day. I was falling asleep at work. I was falling asleep in class. Didn't really have much motivation or drive. High levels of anxiety like so anxious I'd have to go out for a run just to relax on most days just to like calm down a little bit I'd go on a run I was like extremely anxious anyway bottom line is I found it was down to my gut health but one of the things that I believe really got me through that period and now I've got fantastic health I've had fantastic health for years is um in the mornings even though I'd feel terrible at first doing it I would listen to this like little Tony Robbins audio. It was like a daily gratitude walk. I mean, 
think about what you're grateful for, and then he'd have you visualize what you want in the future. And all I wanted in the future was to feel healthy again, just to have energy and feel good and and visualize myself being healthy and energy and feeling good. And I truly believe that that was a, a big part of um, my health recovery. And I, I think it is because, one, I was optimistic that it was going to happen. After doing that in the mornings, I believed that I was going to get healthy and well. I didn't take any medic, any pharmaceutical medications or anything. And then I started, Then th- I believe things started to attract towards me to help me. Like I randomly came across, I was with a girlfriend at the time and we was driving near Malibu for some reason. I don't even remember why. And then there was just a farmer's market far far off one of the streets that we was driving past. And I was like, oh, let's let's check out this farmer's market. And when I got to the farmer's market, there was um, some guy selling fermented orange. So it was like fizzy soda-like orange juice that was fermented. And I was like, what is this? He called it um, kefir, orange kefir. I was like, what mm-hmm. is this? And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know... Uh, they said a few years ago, I had no energy. I was sick. I was tired. I went to the doctors all the time. They didn't know what was up with me. And then I started, I came across like these probiotic drinks and fermented orange drinks. So I started making them, drinking them. And I said, my health has 100% recovered since doing it. So I was like, what? Like, give me some of that. And then I started drinking it and that really helped. And I started learning more about gut bacteria. And I just really believe that because I was so optimistic and then I do believe in the law of attraction. I think I do believe it is a law. I think that helped bring things to my life, which actually aided physically aided my recovery. It wasn't just a mental thing. You know, I believe the mental physically brought things in. You know, if you want to just, if you want to extend this just a little bit further, because I think that sometimes people, I believe in law of attraction too. And I think that there's a science behind it. I think the way that the science works is that, Let's take optimism as the the central note of this, or the first piece of this puzzle, the first domino. Optimism um, creates a different set of actions than non-optimism does. From an optimistic perspective, because you see the world as open to opportunity, you act in a way in which you expect good things to happen to you. It's not the delusion that good things are happening. It's it's opening. It's it's operating in a posi- from a position of openness rather than closeness. When you operate from a position of openness, um, you're more receptive to people. You're more tuned into opportunities. One of the um, the key phrases that I read in Maxwell Maltz's book Psycho Cybernetics is the um, oh god, it's the uh, I'm I'm forgetting the the name of the term now, but it's just the idea. Of, oh, oh it's, it's the reticular activating system. It's the, it's the concept that you see what you want as a result of what you're looking for, and then you optimize for that. And as you are more optimistic, more open, and you start to notice more of the opportunities in your life, you take gradual corrective actions towards the things that are in line with that optimistic attitude rather than the things that are in alignment with a, with a more negative attitude, or when you encounter resistance, that slight positive wind at your sails pushes you in the direction of things being open to opportunity rather than closed. And over time, what's attracted to you is the result of 
many dozens, hundreds, and thousands of small micro-actions that came from the result of the open attitude. And that attraction is, if you look at it from a web perspective, you'd see that you're, you're actually pulling these things towards you through this, through the, through the physical actions. It's less about, um, you know, some metaphysical thing, but then it could, then again, it could be metaphysical if you're looking at it from that perspective. I believe so. I think it's all of that. That's, uh, that's, that's what I found in my life. And, and you know, I guess kind of like making this turn here, cause we wanted to talk about how this directly applies to, entrepreneurs. You have been working with entrepreneurs for years. Even when we first started hanging out in 2015, you know, one of your central focuses and you actually, you actually, uh, had another company now, which is e-commerce. And we can talk about that on another podcast, but one of your personal interests, um, and your central focuses working with entrepreneurs has been performance and basically reducing the amount of strain, effort, and energy that they're exerting on their business in order to, um, to basically create more flow and make it easier for them to do the things that they want to do and that they love to do. And I want to know how all that ties into your studies around uh, positive psychology and peak performance in general. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah. So my, my background, my, my bachelor's degree is in sports science and physiology. So my mindset is I've got very much like an optimizer optimizers mindset, um, especially around like p- performance, physical performance sports science is like how to run faster like you know how to perform better physically but also mentally too you know if you're competing against others uh, you know how can you program yourself to get that edge mentally and then in back in 2008 i started working with entrepreneurs more in like a health health coaching health coaching them mm-hmm. you know like giving them better diets so we feel like a bit more energy and then it the diets progress to like you know having some workouts as well so you have more energy and then it progressed to like helping them with the sleep so they can relax and not stress and over the years you started dialing in i started to look at an entrepreneur like an athlete okay and like okay well how do we get this athlete to perform better and for me an entrepreneur is like a decision-making athlete Okay, you, 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 you're going to make decisions all the time and the quality of decisions is going to lead to the quality of your business. If you make a lot of great decisions, more than likely you're going to have a great business. If you're making bad decisions, then for sure you're going to be out of business pretty shortly. Um, so it's like a decision-making athlete. And, you know, all athletes are human beings. And as human beings, there's certain things that we can do to improve our performance. Diet can improve our diet. We can make sure we're hydrated. We can make sure they've got high, you know, high levels of sleep, good sleep quality. We can um, make sure that we're moving, so we've got good, good energy around us. Um, and then also with our mindset, there's certain things that we can do with our mindset, how we look at things, which are going to help us come up with more chances of making a good decision. So I'll give you an example. Um, what we know from the psychology, psychological research is that when we're suffering from fear and anxiety, our ability to see options, to see different ways of achieving a goal, narrows significantly. Yep. And we tend saying. to just, yeah, we tend to just focus on things that we've done before that have worked. 
So we lose all the new opportunities to perhaps do something better, or maybe you did something before that worked, and that's just not going to work anymore. Like Facebook ads, for example. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, don't say that word here. <laughs> uh, so, no, no. so when we come from like a stress, anxious place, which, by the way, happens more often if you're not sleeping well, if you're not eating good, if you're not moving a lot, exercising then you have less opportunity to make good decisions. Now, what we know from the research is that if you're feeling grateful, if you're feeling happy, if you're feeling safe, secure, if you're well-rested, you've had great sleep, you know, and you're eating good, then your mind can perceive way more options to achieve a goal. So it means you're way more likely to make a, a good decision. So um, that's something I've been working on since 2008. So, you know, I've got a lot lot of experience with that. I've worked with some um, fairly famous people, you know, in the entrepreneur entrepreneur space and got great results. And it's something I love to do. And then just um, the past year, we've we've packaged that up. Um, I've brought on a business partner who's getting his his, um, PhD in positive organizational psychology. So it's more of a focus on business organizations. And we've really started to focus in on the problem of entrepreneurs who are working 45, 50 plus hours a week, how to knock 20 hours a week off their schedule while increasing revenue. And we aim to do that in 90 days. So that's what our program focuses on now. I mean, what just in a nutshell, what does that look like? That's that's the big promise. Yeah, yeah. So um, first thing we do is we start taking, we start gathering data. So start tracking time. How do you currently spend your time? Let's track all of it. When you're at work, what are you doing? Um, so we start tracking time. There's some apps. Um, one of them is called Harvest. I like to use I like Harvest, yeah. Yeah, I like using Harvest. Um, there's multiple apps. There's phone app. There's so many apps now to track time. Um, I like Harvest, so we'll, we'll start tracking that on Harvest. Get some data in, and while we're tracking, we ask a simple question. Um, this is right at the start to get a quick win. Whenever you're doing coaching, guys, if you have a coaching or consulting, get your client a quick win right away. Get a client a quick quick win. Because um, that gives them buy. If you get a quick win at something, then you, you're bought in more. Like, oh, this this can work. I can see it happening. So we ask the question: um, What's one thing that you're currently doing that you know reduces your energy, or wastes your time, or is somehow detracting from your life? What's one thing? Are you, t- are you asking me personally? Yeah, we might as well. <laughs> oh. Uh... For me, it would be doing the admin work behind these shows. Right. Not that I don't Great love example. doing the work for you guys. Not that I don't <laughs> love it. Great example. Uh, yeah, yeah, we hear I hear stuff like that all the time. Like mm-hmm. admin work, video editing. Um, sometimes it's other stuff like social media. I, I know I'm on my phone too much. Um, sometimes it gets a little bit more serious. Alcohol, you know, smoking weed, drugs. Um, there's more porn. I hear everything. There's so many things that come up, right? Like these are the things. 
Um, so right away in week one, it's like, all right, let's outsource that. Like, look, let's stop it. Let's go on a social media fast, for example. Or like this admin stuff, all right, outsource it. What, 10 bucks an hour maybe you can get someone to do that for? Let's outsource that right away. How much time have we freed up? So we want to go for, we go for the low hanging fruits right away. And some, for some people, it's pretty dramatic. Um, I've had someone who was like doing 10 hours of editing a week. And, you know, these are like decent level entrepreneurs doing 10 hours of editing a week. I'm like, yeah. man, you could pay someone 30 bucks an hour for that. Let's get that out. So um, start categorizing time, get rid of the low-hanging fruits. Then we start looking at, okay, where are you spending your time? And I like to categorize, I mean, $10,000 plus an hour tasks, $1,000 an hour tasks, $100 an hour tasks, $10 mm-hmm. an hour tasks which is a concept I got from Perry Marshall's book, 80-20 Sales and Marketing. I love that book. I love, I that, love book. that book. Great book. Fantastic Even book, if you everyone. just understand the concept of it, that alone is so helpful. Exactly. So then we, we look at that and be like, all right, well, what are the $10,000 plus hour activities that you are doing? And usually, you know, we've got things like speaking to high value clients or selling to groups or selling to high value clients. There's lots of different tasks that you can, you know, pretty much categorize and like, all right, this is this is a high ROI on your time. This is a low one. So in a nutshell, we help our entrepreneurs create SOPs for the things that they're doing a lot that they need to outsource. And then we help our entrepreneurs focus on those high ROI tasks and the 20 plus, we've done this multiple times, the 20 plus out, knocking 20 plus hours a week off the schedule, if done correctly with a coach, we have, you get coaches, um, we have coaches that actually guide you through the process. Um, it can happen relatively quickly and you can start making a lot more money because most entrepreneurs, let's be honest, they're doing a $10 an hour task, $100 an hour task. They're doing the busy work, like the admin stuff for this, rather than focusing on the the big checks, as I like to say. So we just get them working on the big checks. Hey, 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 checking in with you. I know we're mid-episode right now. I wanted to mention uh, something which I forgot to elaborate on in the intro here, and that's that we have our crypto giveaway. So Daniel's Christmas crypto giveaway. Uh, I'm giving away Ethereum, Bitcoin, and USDC. I'm picking 10 winners, and uh, the only thing you have to do to enter is subscribe on my Substack. So newwaveentrepreneur.com, click on the first link on that uh, site, subscribe on that Substack. Once you go to that blog, um, you can go premium, which you can get some great perks and you'll see on that site, which you'll get, or you can also go uh, free and make sure you subscribe there. And that way I'll have your name locked in so I can select you potentially to win our crypto uh, giveaway. Okay, that's it. Much love. See you on the other side. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I think um, Naval Ravikant, 
who is a fantastic philosopher in the business space. I don't know where his book is. I keep giving his book away and then I don't have it anymore. I keep giving it. To, I gave a copy to my 13 year old nephew and I'm like, read this. It'll change your life. Uh, but, but he talks about even as a young kid, how he would always value his time at $5,000 an hour, which seems steep. But then he learned to, um, he learned to create priorities around that artificially high rate. And even if his mom would say, you know, Naval, cook this food, do this laundry. He's like, I don't do that. You know, and, and as a kid, that really annoyed people. But I, I, I find more and more that that's a useful framework, at least for having an aspirational, a high aspirational hourly rate, because then it can act as a filter on the things that at least you can make a choice. So let's say, for instance, you know, uh, you realize that cooking your food isn't for maybe not the most high value task you could be doing. Some people, you know, like Sam Ovens would say, I'm going to have someone cook that food for me. Other people might say, I know it's not high value, quote, or I know it's not high value in terms of my dollar per hour, but I really enjoy cooking the food. So I'm going to make this sacrifice. And at least you're aware, you know, then you can make a choice rather than saying, I have all this stuff to do and I can't fit it all in. You can say, all right, well, there are going to be some high value things I'm going to be, or there's going to be some low value things I'm going to be dispensing with and others that I'm going to keep because I want to keep doing them. You know, I'm, I'm sure that if we could uh, get someone else to physically run our body for us without us having to go to the gym, we would pay someone to do that. But that's high, high priority, high value, because only we can do it. Whereas, you know, sending out the email is not as high value, high priority, because anybody can do that. So I think the tracking, evaluating and making decisions based on, you know, where the efficiency is created is such an important thing that we don't do enough of, you know. And and if you look at people like uh, like Elon and these some of these really really high level entrepreneurs, um, which you know I, I we'll have another conversation about the fact that I actually no longer idolize these guys. I think that they probably live they don't live a life I want to live. You know, waking up in Jeff Bezos's life sounds like a living fucking hell to me, and I would never want to do it. But to be at that level, you have to be really consciously aware of everything that you're doing because anything that's not completely on mission can't be part of your daily orbit. And I think that that's one of the things you can take away from looking at them. And I think that on a smaller scale or on a personal scale, we can, um, we can learn to adapt some of those habits. Where do you have, uh, free stuff people can, can consume? Like where can they learn about this? Yeah. Superchargeentrepreneurs.com. Um, I'll give you the link, Daniel. Go straight to superchargeentrepreneurs.com. We've got free training on how you can apply how you can apply these principles to yourself. This is a free training, about 45 minutes. How to knock 20 plus hours a week off your schedule while increasing your revenue in less than 90 days. Cool. I mean, I love it. I know that you gotta go pick up Satori now, so this is like yeah, we got we got three minutes. Is <laughs> That's that about right? right. Yeah, you know. Okay, there's something I want okay. to talk about. Um, I want to talk about real happiness. You know, joy. Not even happiness, but something something past happiness, which which is joy. And I've studied this stuff, you know, through positive psychology and all all the mindset stuff. And now I'm really starting to live it every moment. Joy. Um, and it, it, it's coming through and I really want to share it with people. If you're watching this on video, you may have noticed earlier, I had some tears coming down my eyes. 
It was tears of joy. I thought you were just allergic. I'm just on a podcast. <laughs> no, it was tears of joy. Exactly. And the, the, the joy, I found joy by every single moment thinking what I can be grateful for, giving thanks. Every single moment, like, thank you that my kids are crying. And, you know, for me, um, you know, it could be, for me, I'm, I'm giving thanks to, you know, higher power, God, Lord. You know, I'm giving thanks, you know, the divine. You know, if, if you don't believe in that, that's fine too. I believe in it through my meditation experiences and plant medicine experiences. That's that's where my, my belief comes from, direct experience. That's where mine comes from. But, you know, if you don't, that's fine. The research shows that being grateful pretty much improves everything in your life. It improves your level of well-being, improves your happiness, you feel better. And the research talks about writing five things down that you're grateful for each day. They wrote, I can't remember the total stats, but it's something like if you write down five things you're grateful for for 30 days in a row, the effects on happiness last six months post. That makes sense. Six months later, you'll still be happier just from writing five things down. Imagine what happens if every moment you're giving thanks. That's you're you're basically you're basically megadosing yourself with psychedelics. You're megadosing yourself with internal psychedelics. Well, and you know, guys, when I upload this YouTube video, you'll be able to see at least the top of his frame. Mark is simultaneously um, in tears of joy, and he's the last person you'd want to meet in a dark alley <laughs> to attack. He'll be like, he'll, he'll, he'll break your entire spinal column and then he'll be weeping because he feels bad because, because like he knows life is a gift and then, and then he'll try to help you and heal you. He'll come visit you in the hospital. Like it's this strange dichotomy. If you've ever grabbed him as you're grappling with him, you're like, this man could, could, could take my soul, you know? And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way to die. I think. You, you know what, Daniel, I'll give myself a shameless plug Go for as it. well. Go for if it. you don't mind. If you're interested in experiencing more joy in your life, you can go to my YouTube channel, Mark Dharma. Just type in Mark Dharma on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel. If there's not a video on there right now about joy, just subscribe anyway because there's about to be in the next week or two. Just get the new videos, the new videos going, and it's all about um, just how to experience freedom, freedom from suffering. We'll put it all on the links. And, yeah, Mark walks the talk. He walks the talk. So, well, thanks to you, Daniel, as well. You've introduced me to plant medicine too. You introduced me to jujitsu and plants medicine. Wow. Those are two pretty big ones. Who's going to do that? <laughs> They're big. That's that's. I don't know. I don't see anyone being two life that. change. That's why I said you got the three kids with Kasai and you got one or two with me. Um, yeah. So Daniel's my yeah. brother. Everybody, I see Daniel as my brother. I love him like a brother. So thank you so much. Invite me into your podcast again. This is actually the third. We did three. The other one is lost in the lost files. That was in my my That's transition. You, you didn't. Up, you didn't. No, it, it was just that. Was, I don't even. I might have it somewhere, but it was my, in my transition. Yeah, it was a nice. It was in a it nice. Was, yeah, it was in my, my it was a, apartment it was a in L.A. But anyway, uh, much love, man. I, I, I love you. I'll see you soon. Uh, let's catch up on this. This will all be uh, coming out shortly. And to everyone who's listening, um, you've now just experienced two men who are both surfing the new wave. We'll catch you on the next one.
Ah, well, I certainly hope you loved listening to that episode as much as I loved recording it for you. Mark is a great friend. I'm sure that you can really see now why just spending some time with him uh, will make your life better and you'll get smarter. He is uh, he's a wealth of knowledge, and I highly encourage you to check out um, more about him, his website, Supercharged Entrepreneurs, and other stuff he has going on. I'm going to put that in our show notes here for you, uh, and you can refer to that. But make sure you check out what he's working on. I might even do some more work with him later this year, so keep your eyes in the inbox for that. But either way, uh, a gem of a guy. Really love him. And that's it. That's all I got for you. You know, uh, looking at my, I have a list of to-dos of things I have to do to get the, the new year started. A lot of it has to do with uh, making podcasts for you. I'll also be working on YouTube as well. What I just want to encourage you to remember is that all these platforms that I'm on at any given time um, can get taken away or can get, you know, muted or, or have my voice lowered depending on what the needs are of that particular platform at that time. And we've seen that now on Instagram. You know, Instagram, I was basically shadow banned and they give me like a 90-day uh, jail sentence. And so I would just encourage you to follow on all the platforms just so you know uh, if something happens to me on one, you have me on the others. Email and Substack are the best ones. So make sure you go on Substack and subscribe. And then text message as well. Uh, a lot of you guys are on my text message list. You can go on there as well. And um, yeah, then YouTube. You know, make sure you're following because YouTube this year is going to be huge. Uh, I think partially because I've been getting so many requests of people asking me to do videos on specific strategies for just getting yourself ready for the new wave. So there's the whole crypto side of this, which there's, you know, you can dive down that rabbit hole forever. Uh, there's also the personal sovereignty side of this. So, you know, from uh, emergency first aid, uh, martial arts, and even understanding your rights too when working with authorities. These are parts of your personal sovereignty that you want to consider. And then all the way to the spiritual independence and spiritual sovereignty when we talk about psychedelics and we talk about um, you know creating psychedelic experiences for yourself, even if it's not actually with psychedelics, but breath work, um, meditation, shamanism, you know, so all these things combined are, are highly interesting topics and there'll be things I'm bringing to not only the podcast, but also the YouTube channel. So make sure you're following there as well. You can check out youtube.com forward slash Daniel DiPiazza TV. I'll put all this stuff in the show notes as well. That's all I got for you guys. Um, much love. So until next time, the water is warm and the tide is rising. It's time to surf this new wave.